Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. It's Mark Patterson. I'm back again with another fantastic episode of Finding Your Summit. All about people overcoming adversity and finding your way. This week... I've got another great example of this. Uh, I'm so blessed to be in a just incredible environment. We're up here in Squaw Valley. It's Northern California. It's magical. We're in the mountains. Mm -hmm. And we're at this thing called the Spartan Media Fest Championship World, all this kind of stuff. We've got these (laughs) beasts running around here. And I've got one of them on the pod today. His name is Anthony Trucks. Anthony, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm better now that I'm here hanging with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, I'm about to say some and, and throw some smack across the uh, across hey, the bow right now. I got now. you. We can right, handle it. Right, right. And uh, it's not normal that I'd have an Oregon duck on the pod. I'm a yeah. Washington Husky. You're welcome. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's good smack back. But uh, no, I'm, I'm sure, uh, you know, I had a lot of great battles down in Eugene against yeah. the Ducks. They've had a great program over many, many years. One of my best friends, Hugh Millen, mm-hmm. his son just got recruited by uh, the Ducks. He's a quarterback, Kale, nice. and so uh, I, you know, so there'll be a lot of love going down that way once he starts. Much appreciated. Yep. I think at this point, it's all Pac-12 now. Like I'm out of it now. Like I, I like I have my thing, but at the end of the day, man, I want to see guys do well. Yeah, you know, now you've got the right attitude. Listen, you've got a great story. So you're uh, you're a former uh, college star. You're in the Pac now 12. It used to be yeah. the Pac-10. You know, mm-hmm. at least when I played. You, you've gone through this whole thing that you call identity shift, yeah. and and um, I mean there, there's 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 a lot of layers to your story which I want to get into, and I think one of the common bonds that you and I have is that we we spent some time in the, at the NFL level, mm-hmm. um, we played, but then like all players, you go off the cliff. Oh yeah. Yep. And when you go off the cliff, it's a tough place to be. It's mm-hmm. a place tough place to go through. And um, for me, I was certainly lost for a couple of years trying to figure out what next and how to really take that same energy I'd always had mm-hmm. and really try to apply that in a positive way towards, you know, what was going to give me the same kind of thrill yeah. as playing in the NFL and college football at the University of Washington. Yeah. You know, I mean, for me, it's honestly been uh, it's always a journey for everybody. Right. I think mine was also like probably two or three, maybe five years. <laughs> I think it takes time to navigate it all out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, man, I came out of the, the NFL and I had torn shoulders, so it ended before I wanted it to. Yeah. Which is even worse because yeah. like I didn't go out on my own doing, and then I tried to find myself again, uh, and unfortunately, in doing so, like I found that I lost a lot because for me, it's like I knew what I had to put in. I yeah. earned this this my keep in football, right? And then all of a sudden, I'm in this realm where it's like the real world. I'm behind yeah. the ball. And I, I neglected a lot, man. I opened this gym business. You know, I'm a green kinesiology. And so I was like, I'm going to do what I know and train people. And yeah. nine months in, I was almost bankrupt, you know, trying to keep the thing alive. And I was there from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. I had three kids. And uh, a lot of it just became this thing where I was trying to build this name for myself again in some other area. And I felt, I honestly just failed at doing it. And I lost my family, lost my relationship, lost my health. Like I was in horrible shape. The business yeah. was up and down. I was never in a great place. And so I, I think for me, the work that I do is tied to like that moment in time, but also like as a child growing up in foster care, like a lot of weird things. 
But yeah, a lot of us, even if it's not sports too, I think some people think it has to be sports or military, but like, it could be a mom. Like if all of a sudden your kids go to college, like who are you without driving people around all day? You know, maybe if you're a dad and all of a sudden like you retire or if you're a dad and like your kid doesn't need you to coach anymore. Like we always have these shifts and people attribute them just to the sports world, but it's humanity. Yeah, no, you, you, I think you, you hit it, the, 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 the nail on the head. You know, you just talked about, well, I guess I talked about and brought up about the NFL, the military, huge problem. Yeah. Um, I think there's this big gap in the world with women who um, have gone off and, and um, to college or brilliant and then maybe they take 10 years off to have kids, and then mm-hmm. they fall off the cliff, right? Because yeah. now how do they come and reemerge back into to, to, society? To society, and, and you're so right. I, I think at the end of the day, you know, you talked about trying to get back on your feet and relationships uh, falling down mm-hmm. and, and imploding and your business being upside down. I think a lot of that sometimes comes from a lot of the stuff that we pack, right? Mm-hmm. And that's some, some of the stuff that we bring to the table. And, um, you know, you've got this really interesting background from the standpoint of, of going through foster care. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I can only imagine some of the trauma that you must have gone through. You know, the name of this podcast is called Finding Your Summit, all about people yeah. coming to diversity and finding their way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times when I talk to people, it is certainly at a later age in life that mm-hmm. they experience a lot of these things that they have to try to overcome. You know, mm-hmm. I'm talking about some of my stuff, you know going through a divorce, my dad dying and things like that. But, you know, when you're talking about, you know, two and three years old as a baby, things that you can actually remember back yeah. to those times mm-hmm. that then later come back and haunt you. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, they sneak up. They sneak up. So, so like, what was that like for you going through that period of time mm-hmm. in your life? I mean, a lot of it's unsettling. See, it's hard to, like, at the time it didn't feel good, but yeah. my brain couldn't unpack what it was. Right? Yeah. It just was a level of not feeling secure, not feeling stable, not feeling loved. I bounced around from you know house to house for three years, like six different homes I was in. A lot of them were just bad people, you know, be starved, tortured me, like weird stuff as a kid. Um, and then at six years old, I got put in my family, which is my family to this day. Yeah, uh, I was not adopted until I was 14, though. So every day, like you have no idea, am I going to go back to foster care in a different house? Am I going to my mom? So it's just a lot of instability. So, so why, why was that a gap? So I think the biggest thing is, and, and by the way, yeah. you know, I'm, when I'm when I'm when when as you're is I know a little bit about your story, yeah. and we're going to, like, unpack a lot oh, of yeah. this today. But as you're going through this, like, my brain right now is shifting to that movie Blindside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Orr, right? <laughs> right. Well, well, because I think, tell me if I'm wrong, because some of the story, too, had to do with that you were um, adopted, ultimately, mm-hmm. but you, 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 you came to this family at six years old, and yeah. then for whatever reasons I want to I wanna hear, yeah. if they don't adopt you till you're 14. Uh-huh. But the other complicated factor of this whole thing, which I can't imagine... Is not is now that you get adopted by a white family? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So now you're just got like this kind of this cross cultural thing going oh, yeah. on, right? Mm-hmm. It's a dynamics. It's a, it's that's why my identity is always this thing that's always been a weird floaty thing, right? <laughs> Trying to figure out what it is, but but yeah, I mean, for eight years I was in that house, but my real mom had what's called parental rights, which means that she can control what I can and can't do. Couldn't play sports, couldn't take trips, couldn't get adopted, and so at 14 I finally let the family love me. Because for a lot of years, like I just, I always wanted to go back to my real mom. And I think we don't realize that sometimes the thing you want so bad is not the greatest for you. Yeah. It takes time to yeah. realize that. And so it took me eight years to figure it out. And like, I think at that time I could finally sever rights, sever the rights, got adopted. The world opened up a little bit more. But I mean, yeah, like at that point in time, I'd gone through so many different shifts in my life and homes and situations and emotions and who, who I would be able to anchor down on where my home was going to be. 
and uh, and it all changed. Like I could finally, for the first time at 14, I knew like, hey, this this bed I woke up on, I'm for sure going to bed in that one tomorrow night. Like that's a different sense of acceptance. I never had that before. Never had that solidarity. And then yeah, I had the dynamics of like being the only black kid in an all white family. There's you yeah. know, I'm one of six kids, and we were really poor growing up. And so I had the dynamic of like not much money and like. I, I make this really bad. Uh, it's, a, it's a distasteful joke, but it's like yeah. I say, we grew up poor white trash. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's a bad <laughs> joke. But it's a reality. Like we did, but we had a great deal of love and compassion in the household. Like, um, but the problem was like, I wasn't a very uh, good student. I was yeah. really, I had a lot of things that like you're talking about that were programming for my past. Like I believe your identity is kind of like your operating system. Like we have who we are today in our daily hardware. Like we're every day waking up brand new in this new body or whatever it may be. But... We're operating from software that hasn't been updated since we were kids. Yeah. So for me, like I had this, I, I was a kleptomaniac because I didn't know when I was going to get something. I'd steal and hoard food because I didn't know I was going to get fed. Um, I was really bad in school. I just, I didn't have any sense of like society and how to operate. So I was always in trouble like as a kid, like in sixth grade, I wasn't allowed to go on the sixth grade trip. Not because I was in trouble or anything, but I was just a flight risk. Like I was that kid. It's like, wow. we don't want this guy in the woods. <laughs> like he, he may kill the animals, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> and so it was just a different sense of uh, trying to figure myself out. And football became for me a place to find self-worth. So let me ask you this. So you, you're, you're going along and now you get accepted into this white family. And as you said in your own words that today you consider them your family so they brought you in there's a lot of love flowing all these good things now at 14 you become a permanent member of that family but Mm -hmm. all along since you know you were you were six they they continue to love you encourage you and doing all these other things so Mm -hmm. you're slowly 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 building trust right but Mm -hmm. still there's this element there i totally get that and now you get involved in sports because they're probably pushing you in that direction. And you know, you're a, you're obviously you went on to be a, become a professional athlete. You're you're very good. You're athletically skilled, mm-hmm. and so you, I'm sure you were shining. You know, in a lot of moments. You know, going through grade school, uh, high school, and then obviously on to the University of Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, so where was that at that 17? I'm trying to understand how this 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 all plays into it. Yeah. Where you get arrested, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, how does that all Tie in? Yeah. How does that tie in when yeah. it seemed like you're kind of going down this, you know, this train was heading in this direction, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, something takes a right-hand turn? Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, uh, well, there's two things I think that play a part in it. One is in my family, like academic solidarity. Like, my mom and dad didn't really have much success in life, we'll call it. My dad's only 12 years older than me. Like, it's just a, wow. it's a young, awkward yeah, thing. My mom yeah. had my older brother when she was 14. My grandma had my mom when she was 15. She was a 29-year-old grandma. Right, so I've got a lot of dynamics inside my family that's a little bit off. And so school and academics and like being stable wasn't a thing that we had going on. So part of it was my mom got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And so she was like being tended to by my father. And that was kind of the family's focus. Uh, my older brother went off to the military. And then I tried football. And the first year, I was horrible. Like I, I sucked at it. Second year, tried it again. Not very good. Right. And so what happened was I got to this point where I had this conversation in my head of like, well, you're a foster kid, aunt. And what do foster kids do? If you look at any prison in America, 75% of the inmates are former foster kids. Mm. Like 50% of the homeless population, foster kids. Less than 1% of us ever graduate college. So like I'm not numerically set up to do anything well. Right. <laughs> and so I think a lot of it boiled back to like, I'm just gonna tuck to the wayside. And so I hung out with the wrong guys, you know, I just yeah. kind of let things go. And, and I honestly, I started getting good, but I think I had that thought of like, maybe I don't deserve this. Maybe uh, I, I belong not being this great human being. And so I think, oddly, it happened at the right time. Had it happened, like, 
six months later, they got arrested. I was with the wrong guys, breaking into cars at night, just doing dumb kid stuff and hurtful. Like to my day, like it hurts me to know that I, I caused somebody pain when they walked out and saw their car. Like that just, it, it really, it eats at me to this day. So that's why I, I live so clean. And anything I have done is on a piece of paper. It's, it's written out there. Anything that's dark stuff, it's out in the world. Yeah, so yeah. I think for me, it was like, that was kind of a cycle. And then it happened at a time where I could wise up, cut, cut certain friends off, dug back in. And I realized like the pain I caused my mom, like that was a tough one. This woman who had given me everything, like loved me past the crazy that I was putting her through. And then to see her face when I came home from like spending the night in a jail cell, like that shook me. Like, and it was not something I ever, ever wanted her to have to see again. Yeah. And I realized that there was, there was more to Anthony than what that was. I had some, some great mentors uh, in the yard duties at school. In fact, a guy named Tim Manley pulled me to the side like he tore into me, like, like a dad would tear into you. And he was the first person that, to be honest, like opened up this perspective uh, that nobody else saw. Like even my parents, they weren't really big into sports. Just, I'm the only athlete in my family. They didn't push me into sports. I wanted to play. Like I just, I paid my first year of football because we didn't have money. I had a paper route though. But this guy sat with me. I said, hey, just so you know, the principal doesn't think you're going to do anything good in sports. He sees you're getting some letters, but the principal doesn't believe in you. He says, but I see you in the NFL someday. And it was just weird, like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm a sophomore in high school, man. Yeah. I was junior in high school. Like, dude, I'm, I'm just this junior. He says, not like if you just, the kind of man you are, what I see you do, how I see you work. He says, I see you there, but you're not going to get there unless you see you there. And so for me, it was like this. I had this little seed, like, all right, what does the next step look like? And the next step was getting my, get my grades right, getting in the, on the right side of, we'll call it the law, like just having a different perspective of where this life could actually take me. And I've always been a person of like, what's just, what's the next step? And I've always looked for the next step, not in the sense of not enjoying the current one, but I've never, like, I never had dreams of the NFL, really, to be honest. Like he said, he saw me there, but I didn't know the path to that. Yeah. But I knew the path to starting on my football team here. <laughs> like I knew the path to showing up and getting my grades taken care of. I knew the path to maybe signing a scholarship, but it was always a next step kind of thing. Yeah, incredible, incredible. I mean, I, I, look, at, you know, we all need mentors, and when you lack mentors, uh, especially male figures for, for young boys, you mm -hmm. know, it's a, it's a hard path to go down. So yeah. it sounds like what this guy did is give you a lot of, a lot of tough love, right? Oh, yeah, man, it's, it's necessary at times. I think real love it has to be tough. Yeah. Because, I mean, everybody can give you false love, which makes you feel good all the time, but love is like, I want you to be better. And usually it means breaking you from the, the direction you, you feel comfortable going because that's not taking where you want to go. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about, I want to set this up in the right way. So I want to go back to where I started, which is, you know, you played in the NFL. You, your career was short. By the way, um, I, I guess I technically retired from the NFL after five years. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is I got thrown out. Yeah, so. that's how it works, man. <laughs> NFL's uh, not for long. <laughs> yeah, not for long. Uh, so I totally get that. But, you know, what you were talking about before was, you know, a situation where you were lost and, you know, you, 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 you kind of went sideways with your relationships and mm -hmm. things were upside down. And, and before I ask this next question, I just want to give a shout out to you and let the audience know I'm sitting here. You can hear in the background some people checking in or something in a hotel mm -hmm. in uh, Squaw Valley. Again, as I mentioned, we're here part of this, this whole Spartan World Championship race. He's got all these, you know, extremely athletic people uh, walking around the village. Mm -hmm. And so it's pretty inspiring yeah. um, to me. Um, you're a very good-looking African-American fit dude. You know, you got your act together, and we're going to get into that. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason why I'm setting that up is really about the question I'm going to ask you, uh, because I went something sort of similar down this path, which is you got to a point where everything was falling apart and you mm -hmm. didn't have the foundation, at yeah. least in your mind at that time, where you thought maybe an easier path was for you just to check out. Yeah. 
hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I got there. Yeah. And so, how, I mean, how did you, I mean, that's like when, when you go in that, that space, it's a pretty dark it's tough. spot. It's tough to, to get into. You slide into it slowly, and then it's, it's hard to climb out of it. Yeah. I mean, so for me, like, take it back to where the, the catalyst for it was, is I'd come back, and now I'd, you know, I'd lost my career to an injury. Uh, my wife and I had another two kids. We had twins. We had three kids now. I'm trying to find myself. I'd lost football, right? And so I'm trying to figure out what this thing is, this new business world. I don't know what I'm doing. A lot of pressure, trying to navigate things. Our house is going upside down. We bought a house in 06, so, like, the house's market's horrible. So, like, I'm just, like, heavy, heavy weight. And then I find out my wife had an affair and, like, tore me because then, like, my family is being torn apart. So now I'm looking at, like, well, you know, now I'm creating what I had for my life and my kids. Like, it's just disgusting. And so I think the biggest thing for me was, like, it was, like, the, the root of who I was, like, my identity was stripped away to the to bare bone, not even bones, like just the the ash of it, we'll call it. And so I remember like having these moments where like a buddy of mine could see me in a fog and he just said some words that were simple, but he says, Aunt, this is your reality. And it was like this weight that just like it crushed my heart. And, and the brain can't always differentiate, I found out, between emotional and physical pain, like totally. And so I just remember feeling this immense like pain of I, I couldn't stop this. I couldn't breathe, like I couldn't stop crying, like... I drove off, sent my, my you know, friends a text, said, please tell my children who their father was. And, like, I just, I fully believe I was going to just drive off, find some rat poison and, and check out, find me somewhere, like, unfortunately, yeah. that was the thought. Um, it was late enough to where no stores were open, so I just parked my car, and then I GPS on my phone. It was, like, 2011, I want to say, and the police found me, and I was, you know, just sitting there, kind of, like, I snapped out of it little by little. I think it was kind of like this, in the weight of it, I could kind of finally calm my nerves. Ended up going back home, and, and, uh, I think the thing was, like, I drove up to my house and that there was, like, 40 people outside, like, all in the court that I lived in. It was weird, and it was, like, this shameful, like, holy crap. Not only is my life falling apart, now I'm, like, this shameful mess in front of my friends and family. And it was, like, the root gone. And so the base of that was where I needed to go, right? And it sucks to have to, to get there. Um, but a buddy of mine, after the fact, I played high school football with him. Wait, wait, before you ask me about yeah. or tell me about your buddy, the 40 people at your house were doing yeah. what? They were trying to find me. They were out there. Like, so so they were like out there. Camp. Okay, I got it. Yeah, they were all yeah. there trying to find Ant. Like, you know, yeah. and then you know, they heard that they, the police had found me. They're all waiting for me to come back to make sure I was safe. So, yeah. and then, like, when I got there, there was like this police, not police, but um, yeah, it was police. And there was a, like, a, uh, what do you call those? Ambulance. Yeah. And they usually called 5150 if, like, person's going crazy, spitting, kicking, they tie you up and drag you in there. And I didn't have to go, but I was like, you know, I just, the shame of it, like, I don't want to face these people. Like, let me just hop in here, take me to the hospital real quick. Just, I got to get out of here. And, uh, and I remember the next, like, two days later, three days later, I just finally, you know, clean, cleared my head, stepped back out of it, you know, started getting kind of things moving again. A buddy of mine, um, he says, like, hey, Aunt, you know, I, I know no one's really saying anything. He says, but when I found out what was going on, it's like I, I legitimately threw up. Like, he's like, I was sick, and it scared the crap out of me. I was like, well, I'm sorry, man. He goes, no, no, I don't think you grasp. He says, the reason was because I thought I lost a hero. It was really weird to hear, like, a friend of yours say something like that because I'm just like a guy I know. Yeah. And he said, you know, at the end of the day, he's like, you don't know this, but we, everybody in your community, like, we know what you went through, just from a kid on up, but to see what you've accomplished, dude, like, you're, you're an inspiration to everybody. And uh, I had never known this. I'd never talked to somebody about this. It wasn't a conversation. And so it was the first time that I had this thought of, like, you know, maybe there's something that had, I've gone through this craziness that was supposed to happen. Like, I feel like I got to that point because now I've, like, I've got to a bottom. And you can only help somebody from where you've been. And so for me, like, I'd been to this bottom, and then, like, that gave me the spark of, like, well, what if I just try, maybe if I'm doing this on act, what if I try on purpose to help people? Like, not just their body, because I had this gym, but, like, like to help their, like, 
minds from whatever I've navigated, right? It wasn't going to be relationships at the time because I hadn't fixed that yet. <laughs> like, so it was more of like, how do I navigate this like hardship and pain and like how to focus on things and come out of these holes? And so I was doing this work on Anthony and then giving guidance from what I'd figured out, like just to, you know, moms and teenagers and dads that have been coming in to work out at the gym. So it's kind of like in thousands of like uh, therapy sessions that had weights, you know, so yeah, it's just me training yeah, people. Yeah. And then it got to the point where years later, about three and a half, I want to say three and a half years later, uh, I'd gone through divorce with my wife, like I custody battles, she lived with somebody, I lived with somebody, like it was weird, but I started finding out that a lot of the reason of where I was at was because of me. And that was the, the biggest climb that's allowed me to kind of do the work I do now. Mm. And it's not to say that it was my fault, like I had a, a, par, a part in a lot of it, right? It wasn't my fault my wife made a decision to, to have an affair. However, I was part of what took us to that point. Yeah. I had, a, I had a push to that level and it sucked, but well, I, look at it, Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, is your, is your, the one thing I love what you're saying is that you're not playing the victim. You're not playing the blame no. game. And, and I think the first part of healing of anything that you do is really taking responsibility of what's you. important and everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're talking about. And so, and so you moved on yeah. and, 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 you know, we all do. And, you know, again, I'll, I'll go back and say this for the third time, finding your summit, the name of this podcast and finding your summits, you know, mm -hmm. plural, and that we all go up and we go down and we go yeah. up and we go down and hopefully mm -hmm. we're continuing to go up, you know, and we don't, yeah. we all, it sucks when it goes down in a, in a, in a valley because we like to be on the peaks and we like to be high-fiving. Yeah, it'd be but, nice. But the one thing that you said that was interesting that uh, happened to me a few years ago, and this is when I made this shift to go to and move to some valley. Mm -hmm. I've I made a full commitment to mountain climb. You know, I, I work now as an executive for, for Sports Illustrated, so mm -hmm. I monetize that way. But nice. but in terms of, of um, you know, something that I really have a, a, a true passion for and it's turned into something a little bit more than that, but... We, we had this dinner in Hermosa Beach, and there's these these uh, this guy, this buddy who owns this this uh, this this restaurant, and, and called the Bottle Inn. And we went in this back room, this wine room that they have, and they shut the doors, and it was very intimate. There's probably I don't know 12, 13, 13 people there. Darcy were there, and uh, and so at some moment in time, and nothing was planned, but mm -hmm. um, my buddy Jim Mora, who you probably know oh, of yes. him, yeah. Mm -hmm. So he's my best friend. And he got up and he just kind of started rifting about what I meant to them, mm. right? And then the next guy uh, got up, Hugh Millen, another Husky quarterback buddy of mine. You know, he gets up and he says something amazing. And then the next guy stands up and, you know, it's like there's all this incredible stuff. And I, I was just like blown away because mm. like that one buddy of yours who said, you know what, Anthony, you're a hero to me. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that these guys felt that way because yeah. we're guys, we're, we're warriors. We, we grew up, you know, in this like hardcore yeah. football sense. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's, it's a weakness to be, to be weak or show your feelings and emotions. And that's a, usually a pretty quick exit out of the NFL because yeah. you have to be this gladiator. Right. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And so, um, so for you, and this is kind of the, this is kind of the leap of where I'm going is yeah. that all of a sudden now that, you 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 frame this this whole this whole motto this this term um, really what you're all about today which is this identity shift and what I want to talk mm -hmm. to you about because I want to understand this a little bit better yeah. but there's really three components to this right there's C there's sacrifice and then there's sustaining mm -hmm. right yeah and so let's just go into now you now you're you're self analyzing yourself and you're going hey listen I'm ba you know I'm doing essentially all these therapy sessions people are coming in they're lifting weights. Yeah. So I'm kind of like this psychologist with while, you know, pumping iron. Yeah. And, and then, you, you know, there's a light that goes on. Like, I think I can monetize this in terms of going around and sharing my inspirational story of where I've come. Maybe mm -hmm. it can help somebody else. Yeah. 
So you have this identity shift company. So yeah. tell me about what's going on there. Yeah. And then I really want to understand in detail about the C, the sacrifice, and the sustain yeah, model. Right? I got a lot of detail for you, yeah, man. You yeah, you go. Yeah, you so, go. It's your platform. Oh, yeah, man. So the biggest thing, um, it's like what's cool about it now, right? So the identity shift is kind of the way I look at it is we, the idea is to have success on autopilot. Like there's, there's certain parts of who we are that just people have Midas touch. Like, why does that guy always win? Like, what's so great about him? Yeah. It's just who that person is. So when they run into the problems, they have what's called a slow or go identity. Difficulty slows me down. I procrastinate. I find ways to avoid it and dif- you know, do distance myself. Or I go full board and figure it out, right? Football players, we were taught, like, especially defense linebacker, you go. Like, it, you second guess it, it slows you down. And so for me, like, that's been something I've kind of navigated. So like in my relationship, we've since fixed it. Back together, amazing marriage. Kids are happy, healthy. Business is going great. Like so, wait, wait, wait. the gal that you yeah. divorced mm-hmm. and you went through all these issues with, but yeah. you still had three kids with, mm-hmm. right? Three years later, got back together. You're back together and married. Yeah, three. Amen. We're three all years right. deep now. That's like, awesome. I right? love that. A lot yeah. of craziness. Love yeah. her death. Best relationship I could have imagined. Like it's, yeah. it's incredible, right? So I, again, I only work through people like, with what I've gone through. And so the C, it's actually I've, I've played with the change into C shift sustain because sacrifice is heavy for people. And shift is a whole different concept, which is really where I work. But what it is, it's three stages you got to go through to make a change. Uh, and for me, the first thing is like I had to go back. Like I'm talking about the first C phase is seeing things that got to be changed that you don't want to see right now. Like I didn't want to see my fault in what she had done. I didn't That's wanna, hard. It's right? tough. Yeah. When it comes pain. And a lot of people say, oh, no, no, I know what I got to work on. But like if, if it didn't come with some pain or some, some ownership, like it's not what you're supposed to work on. The other stuff feels good. Like we like doing the stuff that feels good. But yeah. when it's, it's painful... Like, that's the work you're going to do. It's going to move the needle for you. So, like, a lot of people go to that shift or sacrifice stage, but they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. So they keep beating their head against the wall, and they can't figure out what to do because you're running down the wrong path. And so what I do is go back and unpack, and I, I help people find what I call an identity gap. There's always a gap between who I am and what I have and who I have to be that has what it is I want, right? Whether it's a better relationship, better body, better business, whatever it might be. And, like, I believe that the next level of what you want comes at the next level of who you actually are not what you could accomplish, not what connections you have, what tools you have, or how much money. It's like, who are you? Because then it just happens, right? So I help people close that gap, and the biggest thing is you got to first see what the gaps are. you got to really look at, like, all right, i got to figure out my finances so I quit going broke. Like, i got to figure out how to communicate in my relationships so I don't keep breaking them. Or i got to get better in how I eat so I don't keep gaining weight or I can actually lose weight. Um, Or i got to get more clear in my business and get some help and get a coach, whatever it might be. If you can finally own up to what you have to work on, you'll be able to work on it. The other part of it is in the C phase, most people don't see like the amazing thing they could do. I call it dreaming at full speed. Like a lot of people, like, if you think about an open sandy area, let's say it's a desert, you see that beautiful, you know, nice open road and maybe you put a nice Ferrari out there, hit the gas, you can fly. Yep. But what if you put a speed bump out there or a wall, right? You gotta slow down, go yeah. around it, like you may hit it, fall off the road. So a lot of people have these dreams that could be amazing, but they start throwing speed bumps and walls in it. Like, oh, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't know anybody. And that's a, that's a slow identity. Like, they find ways that have to slow down. And so for me, it's like I help people remove those speed bumps to get clear on where they have to go. And that's the C phase. What stopped me? Where can I go? The shift or sacrifice stage is the work you got to do. It's hard. And it sucks. Yeah. And, and for me, when I work with people, it's a minimum four-month time period because you got to go dig in. And really what I find is, like, for me, when I first started football, I was horrible at first. Like, I sucked. But I had to figure out how to kind of get better and get faster. And what I found was later on I was a way more confident player. What it was is what we create creates us. Like if I created this stronger, faster, more powerful body, I could make more plays. I could get the praise. It created a stronger, more confident Anthony. 
And so when we're looking at the the world we want to put out, you know, and create for ourselves, like maybe you want to create that business, but the business doesn't have like you got to create the business to get the pride of being a great business owner. Like if you want to have a great body, you can't wait to be like I got a great body to then get a great body. Like you have to build that body to be like I'm confident. I've done the work and own it, because in the moment when people sink or swim. They have to be able to have this very specific, detailed internal ownership and belief like they deserve it. Like what allowed me to be great was when I came, like I, I had a year where I sucked and I just, I put the work in. The next year, dude, I was a monster. Like I was angry and like I wouldn't let you win because I deserve to win. And I knew it to my core because I put the work in in the background. I created this, 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 this time and, and, and energy put in the background. So when I put people through the shift stage, it's more so like, Anchoring down and going through what stages you have to do to, to actually shift, and I call it design, develop, deploy. Design who you actually want to be. It's called your ideal identity. Design that, develop a plan for it, deploy it. And just like the military, you got to come back and debrief, and then design it again, develop it, deploy, and keep going through that process. And little by little, on the back end, it's not a person who is on one side of the gap trying to do what that other person does, but you've now shifted, and now that's who you are. And the separation, people feel like, oh, I'm burnt out doing something. It's usually because you're just not the person who does that. And you're trying so hard to do it. You're trying to hold on to the person that's over here and, and try to get that thing. And so for me, it's like, I want you to come out in the back end to where it becomes like you're normal. Like, I'm sure like the way you operate in your world, people look at you like, dude, like, how do you do that? And for you, you just shrug your shoulders like, that's who I am. It's almost like effortless effort to you. And so when you can get to like an effortless effort level for what you put into your life, but the outcome is higher because it's who you are, golden man. Yeah. And the last part of sustain is essentially like, like you mountain guy. No one wants to climb a mountain and slide back downhill, right, in, in life, so to speak. Yeah. And so for me, it's like once you've got to that point, what are you doing to, to stay driven? I call it drive, hive, and thrive. What am I doing to, to make sure I'm driving in the right direction consistently? I don't want to end up back here. I don't want to do a U-turn accident. Like what do I got to do and keep doing so I don't fall back. Like people do in relationships. Like I get this person, I'm great. And then all of a sudden I stop doing those things, right? Yeah, keep driving the right direction. Then hive is like, who do you have as your circle? Like I've always found that when I'm struggling, I've got to find other people that, that uh, in my peer group that have higher expectations than I do. Because yeah. I'll rise to the expectations of my peer group. If I don't have those people, like I'm cool where I'm at. And it's not going to be where I want to be, right? So the, the hive helps me grow, helps me push. And my hive changes, you know, at different levels. I need new people around me. And that's totally okay. Uh, and then outside of that, the last one is thrive. And for me, it's like, how do I thrive in my health, my wealth, and relationships, and how do I pass that on? Because for me, I found that once I got success and I got happy, like, it, it's, it's cool to have that, but the next, like, piece of success, it gets towards, like, that marginal utility. Like, the first, seven, you know, hamburger's good, but seven hamburgers in, it's like, ah, I don't want this hamburger. But if I take that seventh hamburger I don't really care for, so to speak, and give it to somebody who's starving, like, now nah, I feel good. So, like, what can I take from what I've accomplished and feel better now by giving it away? So now it's like my goal in life is how do I help people navigate this stuff to make a shift, close their gap, and be able to have happy like I do? It's a lot of stuff in there. Right? Yeah, man, I'm a it, thinker. It, no, 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 no. Listen, <laughs> I, I, I love all that stuff. And, um, you know, as you're going through the different phases of the sea, the sacrifice, and sustain, the one thing I couldn't help but that you think about was... Um, at the end of the day, you know, obviously you have to recognize and take accountability like we talked about before. Yeah. But when you're going to actually, you know, make that that shift to change and go in a new new path, a new direction, you need to make sure you have a clear sense of why you're doing it. Right? Oh, yeah. 
And that why just is the fuel and the fire that drives because, you know, that last thing you were talking about sustainability, it's just, and you see this all the time, you know, um, come, you know, December, um, you know, late December, December 15th through the 30th, 31st, everybody's up there doing their New Year's resolutions. All the time. Right? And then by about April, you know, everybody's (laughs) off the bus again, right? Way off. And, you know, and another thing that that is you're talking um, and since we have this this thing in common called football, mm-hmm. um, on a college football team or more so on an NFL team, it's like a microcosm of everything you're talking about because yeah. you have coaches, right, that have to hold you accountable. Mm-hmm. You've got other peers around you, which you spoke about, which help elevate your game because, you know, everybody's always there to try to take your position. Always, And, and you know, you're one, you're one, like, play away from being cut. Yeah. Right? And then sustainability in terms of how long can you actually make it, you know, doing this mm-hmm. at this level. And But you got to keep daily discipline with consistency is a successful formula to good things happening if yeah. you've written out your vision board mm-hmm. and you don't quit and you have a strong why about why you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, you, you cover it all, man. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> I mean, I think that the cool thing is this is all very common sense. And the problem is most people can regurgitate and repeat this to you. It's very difficult, however, to live this. And that for me is where uh, I spend a lot of my personal time on Anthony, right? And a lot of personal time with other people. Because as much as we know these things, it's difficult to embody them every day. It's difficult to live them, right? To actually get a group of people. Because think about it, get a group of people that you can be around. Like people here a little time but they're deathly afraid of asking groups to join, like finding people, a pride oh. issue. It's like all these weird things. And so like, I think the cool thing is at this point in my life, I found that every, every stage I felt uncomfortable at, it taught me something new and stretched me. So I actually seek out the weird stuff. I seek out things that make me feel super uncomfortable because I know I'm not going to die. And I know on the backside is always something great, but that's what I actually live. So give me, give me an example of that. Yeah, so uh, for example, I got to this point where like, I had this gym running this gym and and uh and for me i wanted to like take it to this next level of speaking like to do something bigger in the world and it was like a scary thing for me to step into a space and find other people that were doing this because it's not like the football guy does you know nfl guy we're linebacker like i don't go talk about my feelings and life stuff that, you know, yeah. i don't open that up yeah. and so i had to go seek out a new group and it was a scary thing right so where it's like i don't know what this looks like what if they look look at me funny like what if they think i'm less than and like so you question it and then you you do it and then you didn't die and they helped you and so now at this point in my life, my, my gut, you know, knee, knee-jerk reaction is like, if I'm stuck somewhere, how to go find somebody and ask them uncomfortably, like, can you help me? Like, can I get a, a, a simple 15 minutes of your time? Like, can I pay for your time? Whatever it is. So I see people in the world where most people are like, oh, they're untouchable. I can't reach them. But like, I'll reach out to them. And I, and I, I get to be part of weird groups of individuals. So yeah. um, at this point now, like, my first part of this career started by going to an event called Experts Academy with a guy named Brennan Burchard, big speaker. I don't know if you know who he is, like big name dude. And I started just in, literally in the stands, you know, just there. And then fast forward like three years later, I now speak on his stages. In fact, I'll be on his stage in like a week and a half. And I'm part of a mastermind of people with him that, that guys like, you know, Dean Graciosi, Lewis House, Trent Shelton, yeah. um, you know, all these amazing people, Russell Brents, like they're all part of this, this group of people. And I feel really uncomfortable there, man, to be honest. Like, yeah. I get there, and, yeah. and, and it's like they're amazing humans, but it's like I know the level I got to push up to. And so I openly, willingly go in and, like, ask questions. Give me some insight. What can I do? Not to a sense of, like, I need them to do something for me, but, like, chop me up, man. Like, I played football. I know what it's like to get coached. So, like, hey, chop me up. What do you see? And so a year and a half ago, this is where a, a big thing happened, is I had this company called Trust Your Hustle, which is my baby. I, I built that for, like, four and a half years. That's what I did. It was all I did. It's where C-Sacrifice Sustain really came in. 
And then I'm sitting with these guys in Wyoming, uh, at Jackson's Hole, Wyoming, yeah, and we're having this conversation. And going around this room, amazing brains. And then I tell what I do was my turn. And one of the guys goes, I don't like it. I'm like, what do you mean you don't like it? He's like, I don't like it. I was like, well, what's wrong with it? He goes, well, you're the messenger. You talk, you speak. Like, I love your personality, what you've gone through. He says, but hustle? Like, he's like, everybody hustles. Like, we in this room right now, to be honest, there's no value in, you know, what you're talking about. Not that he said it that way. It's how I heard it, to be honest. But what he did say, see, I would love to know, like, how did you go through all those different shifts in your life and end up in this room with us? And that, that's where I was like, oh, he says, you know, what a lot of people aren't seeing and having trouble with nowadays in the social media's world is, is identity. Like, who are they? And I was like, interesting. Like, and so it, I went back with it and sat with it, looked at my life, looked at the work I was doing. It was already in my work. Like, all the stuff, the frameworks I was creating were already in that realm. Like, I wasn't doing tactical. A lot of it was just emotional stuff. And I was like, well, it's, it's already the same stuff. So I shifted gears and trashed like 13 online courses because they were all somewhere else. So like I had to make this really tough decision and it was scary. And I was like, what do I do? And I leaned into it. And since leaning into it, we're about a year and a half into it and business has quadrupled. The people I can reach is expansive more than I expected it to be. And it's still growing. And so like, that's a perfect example of like, I didn't want to go find these people. I found these people. Uh, I got the feedback. I don't want to do it. Like I didn't want to be like, yeah, let's just throw it all away. But I was like, ah, Am I going to sit here and stew on this for a year and a half, or am I just going to lean into it? And so it's always been a matter of me seeking these things that are super scary and finding out in the backside, like, yeah, it was scary because it was important. And I think if we can frame the fear that way, like, it's important. Like, what's maybe, you know, scary to you is not scary to me and vice versa, because there's a different level of what's important to you. And so when I find things that scare me, I don't even know why sometimes, like, let me just do it because I'm going to figure out what's scaring me. And then I'm like, oh, that's why. Great thing. I'm glad I did it. Yeah. I think the other thing you were talking about, too, is is growth. And with that growth is really trying to challenge yourself by learning mm-hmm. and also having other mentors around you that can give you, you know, feedback. I mean, I, I, I keep saying this, you know, I don't think I did a great job earlier in my career. Um but I'm doing a better job now. But I think there's always room for improvement. Right? On and, and I do that mm-hmm. through a lot of different ways. You know, I, I don't necessarily have somebody right now like you that I can talk to um, in that way. But um, I think podcast and audio tapes and learning mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. And doing these podcasts. I mean, I mean, I, I've said this before, but, you know, what a blessing that I have got to be on this side of the mic and listening to all these amazing stories mm-hmm. about all you guys doing amazing things. <laughs> and and it really, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. And it, it's just put a lot of more value. Like, hmm, that's an interesting way to think about it and yeah. help me in, in the way I communicate and the way I see the world. That's what I tell my wife. I just told my wife because she's like, what are you going up there? I said, I'm going to do podcasting. She's like, well, what's that all about? Like, she knows what <laughs> yeah. I do, but she's yeah, not yeah. dialed in. Yeah. Um, but I was like, you know, it's, it's a reason for me to talk to people that I'd love to learn from. Yeah. Like, I love sitting back and just, like, teach me because I take copious notes. Like, I, even usually when I'm talking, I'm taking notes. I'm going to go back and listen to this. I've been going fast all day. Yeah. But, like, I, I, I love to, to learn. Like, I'm a, a consistent. Like, I want to know how to grow. Yeah. And uh, Harvey McKay, I saw him speak one time. He says, the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. Yeah. So love I'm like, that. oh, let me fill into that. So I yeah. just, I'm consistently trying to find out, like, not what I'm doing wrong, but, like, where can I be better? And it's not that it's a, I don't feel less than while doing it. Like, I, I love where I'm at and who I am. I'm just like man, everything from here on is better. You know, everything is good. It's just that yeah. little, like, eking closer. And uh, and I, I like the journey, man. Like, I, I look at this mountain on your phone I'm sitting here looking at, and I'm like, <laughs> I always had this perspective of, like, yeah. people are trying to reach this destination. Yeah. But, like, it's like you're trying to find the peak, but you spend more time on the journey. I love the journey. I mean, yeah. I literally love the process. I love the journey. And, you know, like, all these peaks that you see on this phone right now on the backside of it, 
you know, those are the, those are the summits and it's cool. But I, you know, any story you want to ask, you won't hear one of these about me talking about the summit. Yeah. They're all about what happened in, in terms mm-hmm. of me trying to get there. Right. Yeah. You know, there's another guy that came on my pod a while ago, JJ Burden, another duck. I know he is. Yeah. yeah. You know Go ducks. Yeah. yeah. Look yeah, at you, lucky ducks. man. You get well, I'm trying to get as many ducks as I can. Right. <laughs> 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 gotta get your ducks in a row, <laughs> man. I got ducks in my row. Now listen, <laughs> Hey, where can people find you? Uh, at anthonytrucks.com or, uh, on Instagram, Anthony trucks, super simple. Uh, and I actually have a quiz if someone wants to know like whether they have a slow or a go identity, sloworgo.co. Yeah, sloworgo.co. Yeah. I love that. Man. Right? I love that. I don't even think a Husky could have come up with something like that. No, you guys are good <laughs> like that. <laughs> All right, buddy. Listen, I, I really appreciate you coming on. No uh, your joy, your inspiration. I love hearing stories like this of, of really the comeback kid and really helping others uh, get to where they want to be in life. And so continued success to you. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay, there he is, Anthony Trucks. Thank you so much. Problem. Hey, and thank you so much for listening to the Find Your Summit podcast. We are so glad to have you along for this journey. And if you enjoy the show, please tell a friend, share it on iTunes, spread it to the planet. We're looking to broadcast this to every person that is out there because, as you know, everybody has their own summit that they're going after. Okay, if you're looking to follow my journey, you can find that through my social links on markpattisonnfl.com. That's Mark, M-A-R-K, Pattison, P-A-T-T-I-S-O-N, NFL.com. So, until the next podcast, just remember, clear eyes, full hearts, and remember, it takes a little more to make a champion, so make it happen. Thank you. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.